From the suburbs of the thriving metropolis that is Des Moines, Iowa, welcome to Chat'em Up! Each week, DCA brings an infotaining look at the recent happenings, along with stories, conversations with guests, and more. And now, here he is, David C. Anderson! Thank you, Mark Bitters, for that introduction. Hi, everyone. I'm David C. Anderson. I'm the host of the show. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you all for stopping by and checking out the podcast this week. I certainly appreciate all of the support. And I appreciate all of you for following the podcast online. If you haven't done so, make sure that you're following the podcast across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chatham Up Podcast. That's C H A T E M U P Podcast. Appreciate all of the follows on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Love getting to know a lot of you, getting to connect with a lot of you, and just appreciate all the love that you have shown the podcast in just a very short amount of time. So thank you very much for all the love on social media. And if you want to show the podcast some love, we have got some big news since our debut with the trailer episode last week. We are virtually on all of the major podcast platforms now. Chat'em Up Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. I mean, Where else do we need distribution? If there is some sort of podcast platform that the Chat'em Up podcast is not on that we need to get on, drop me a line on social media, send me a tweet, send me a comment on the Facebook page, hit me up on Instagram, at Chat'em Up Podcast, and let me know, hey, DCA, we need to have the podcast on X platform, and I will do my very best to make that happen. Real quick, just want to give some follow-up here from the trailer episode. Just want to take a moment and say thank you. I received just an overwhelming amount of positive feedback on the show. Again, thank you to everyone who took time to listen to the show. I asked you to tweet me and tell me how you've been spending your time in the last year since COVID hit. Some people told me that they've done nothing, which frankly I kind of found surprising. A lot of you started some new hobbies or maybe jumped back into some old hobbies such as maybe action figure or trading card collecting. I can say I'm guilty of doing both of those during the pandemic. One person said that they got in the best shape of their life and another said that they let themselves get in the worst shape of their life. So looks like both ends of the spectrum are being represented. Speaking of COVID, we're all about segues and smooth transitions here on Chat'em Up. And I have got some breaking news. I, your fearless host, David C. Anderson, received my first dose of the COVID-19 coronavirus vaccine this week. In my state here in Iowa, I am now eligible to receive the vaccine. I was lucky enough to find an appointment online. This, I tell you what, this business of trying to find an appointment to get a COVID vaccine. I've seen it on the news and heard other people talk about it, but until you experience it for yourself, it is just the the biggest game of whack-a-mole there is where you're on these websites and you're trying to find available times. And as soon as one pops up, you think you've got it, you get in, you put in all your information, you select the available times, and then you go to hit submit and wah, 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 sorry, it's gone. Somebody beat you to it. So I had about a day and a half 
of frustration going back and forth. And again, frustration because I'm impatient. There are certainly a lot of people out there that need the vaccine and have gotten the vaccine, but I made the decision that when I was deemed eligible and I could get it, I was going to do everything I can to get it as soon as I could. And lo and behold, I was able to secure an appointment earlier in the week at a CVS pharmacy inside a local Target. It was great. I filled out all of my information online, submitted my insurance information, showed up, checked in, went to the back. They took my temperature, had me fill out a little bit of information for my official vaccination card. And after about 10 minutes of walking through the door, I sat down with the pharmacist, rolled in my sleeve, and got my first of two doses of the COVID vaccine. I was able to get the Pfizer brand of the vaccine. So currently here in the United States, we have three COVID-19 vaccines that are available for use with the public. We have the Pfizer, we have the Moderna, and we have the single shot Johnson & Johnson. Secretly, I deep down, I kind of wanted to get the Pfizer. Again, not because of any of the the politics or, or anything like that behind it or the, the strength of it, you know, versus either of the other two brands that were out there. Here's where I'm coming from, folks. Pfizer is the pharmaceutical company that developed and produced Viagra. So if we have a group of scientists that can take an idea that is Viagra and put it into production and change the world in that way, if you know what I'm saying... Those are the people that I want putting a vaccine in this guy's body. But anyway, regardless, I'm happy to say I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful. I literally sat down as I was waiting because after you get the vaccine uh, in most places, I guess some people in some places I've heard that once you get the shot, you're free to go where I was at the CVS pharmacy inside the Target. They asked everyone to stay for 15 minutes just to monitor you to make sure that you didn't develop any symptoms or have any reactions, I guess. And as I was sitting there thinking about everything that we've been through over the last literally year, I got my COVID vaccine, the, the first dose, literally 366 days since the quote unquote lockdown or quarantine or whatever we're calling it. I'm still not sure what we're calling it began. And to think that it's already been a year and so much has happened and so many people have lost so much. I literally, I, I had tears, tears of joy and tears of sorrow for those that have been far worse off in the situation than I have, than my family has, but just one of just deep, deep, gratitude and thankfulness. And so I'm, I'm one shot in and I go back in a couple of weeks and I'll get my second dose and we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I've heard people have had some reactions to the shot, depending on which brand you got. Like I said, I got the Pfizer. When I got my flu shot last fall, had no issues, no arm soreness, no sight irritation, no nothing. So as I'm recording this, I'm about 48 hours after getting the vaccine and still good. Uh, no physical symptoms or ailments other than my arm is still pretty sore where they stabbed me in my left arm. I mean, we're, we're two days in and it's, it's still noticeably tender and noticeably sore. And they said that that could happen and it would last for a few days and then it'll go away. So I'm pretty sure that my arm will get healed up just about the time it's 
time for me to go back and have them stick me again. But again, as I talked about last week and I've talked about on social media, when you are eligible and it's available for you to get the vaccine, please consider doing so. The only way that we're going to get past all of this craziness and sadness and sorrow and just uncertain times, and if we really want to get back to quote-unquote normal, we've all got to do our part. We've got to get our vaccine so that we can get back to normal and we can get back together safely. For the Here's What I'm Watching segment this week, look, I know I'm late to the party, but this Pluto TV app is a game changer Basically, it's a free app with tons of free content. Who doesn't like free? There's classic movies, TV shows, sporting events, and also has some free live TV options. Basically, Pluto TV, it's streaming in my house on the regular because, get this, there is a 24-hour Prices Right channel. Yes, you heard me correctly. 24-7 of nonstop 1980s Bob Barker Prices Right episodes little backstory. Growing up, The Price is Right was one of my absolute favorite things to watch as a kid. I didn't have the greatest childhood, but that's a different topic for a different show. The Price is Right is one of the good memories that I have from my childhood. But I've got to be honest though, watching 1980s Bob Barker with 2021 goggles, Bob Barker would have been canceled so fast in 2021. Some of the things that he said on the air back in the 80s are very cringe and clearly not appropriate whatsoever. It was a different time, is the line I keep coming back to whenever things of this nature occur. And while I don't condone the inappropriate things that were said, I can still enjoy the rest of the elements of the show and take that wonderful trip down nostalgia lane. So if you're like me, a child of the 80s and 90s, and you want to have some great free options for some classic and vintage TV, movies, sporting events, game shows, whatever tickles your fancy, definitely check out the Pluto TV app. Before we get to my conversation this week, I want to give a quick shout out to the group Surfaces and their hit single, Sunday Best. I actually used the instrumental track of this song for the opening of the pod this week. The song actually dropped back in 2019, but I didn't hear it until last year in 2020. It's a pretty catchy tune. It's got a good message, and I just wanted to share it with all of you. From their Where the Light Is album, which is available wherever you stream your music, here's Sunday Best by Surfaces. Some days you wake 
wake up and nothing works, you feel surrounded. Gotta give your feet some gravity to get you grounded. Keep good things inside your ears just like the waves and sounded. And just say whatever, cause there is no way you're grounded. Everyone falls down sometimes, but you just gotta know it'll all be fine. It's okay. That was Sunday Best from the group Surfaces. Check out their album, Where the Light Is, wherever you stream your music. This week, I sat down to have a conversation with my wife, Veronica Anderson. Veronica and I have been married since July of 2000. Now that's over half of my life. I knew she would be the best person to have my initial conversation with on the pod because she's always been my biggest supporter and would make sure that we had a fun, infotaining chat, which is the goal of why I'm doing this pod in the first place. We talk about how we met, the absolutely embarrassing story of our first date, our faith, our family, and more. I really wanted Veronica to use the podcast as a forum to talk about the journey that she's been on since the end of 2019 in taking control of her physical health and going through weight loss surgery to make that happen. Veronica was 100% transparent and gave great insight into the process, the struggles, and the success that she's achieved by doing the work. She's quite literally the best person I know. I'm so proud to call her my wife, and I'm so proud to call her the very first guest in Chatham Up history. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with my wife, the one and only Veronica Anderson. My guest this week is the only person that I could have possibly picked to be the debut conversation here on Chatham Up with DCA. This person has spent literally half of my life being married to me, and she's still here, and I don't know why, but maybe we'll get to the root cause of that here today. Please welcome my guest this week, my wife, the lovely, the talented, the one and only, Veronica Anderson. Hi, Veronica. Hello, hello. How are you? Not as nervous as you are. I know. I am super, super nervous. I don't know why. We talk every day. I know, but you you have your podcaster voice. On. I'm not using a podcast <laughs> voice. I sound like this all of the time. I'm not using a podcast um, voice. I promise. Okay. Okay. So you're nervous. You're yeah. nervous to be on a podcast that literally dozens of people are going to hear. Yes. I am. I don't know why. I really am. <laughs> I know that you can also edit this, which is great. And <laughs> we've talked about that a couple times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so nervous, but I am. That was a lie. All I know how to do is push record and upload. I have no idea how to edit. So everything that you say well, here. Then this interview is over. Okay. Just kidding. So speaking of interview, like mm-hmm. any good interview, we should start at the beginning. Okay. I'm going to take you back to a simpler time, a different time. 
was the summer of 1999, literally a century ago. Oh I was, gosh, that makes me feel so old. I was a young, up-and-coming assistant manager <laughs> at a fast food restaurant that rhymes with Schmirgerschming. <laughs> and I was standing at the counter doing some of my managerial paperwork when I happened to notice out of the corner of my eye, the peripheral, my vision, a vision of someone standing in the counter area who I thought needed to have their order taken. So as I'm kind of over here writing stuff down and kind of walking away and not really paying attention, I walk up to the register and I look up and there's this beautiful woman standing in front of me. And I look at her and I say, can I take your order? (laughs) And I'm met by what felt like an eternity of silence. And why was I met with an eternity of silence? Because I was standing there talking to my sister who worked at, what do we call it? Schmirgerschming. Schmirgerschming. And it was really, really awkward um, because we were in the midst of a conversation and so, like, you interrupted our conversation. And so, I, I don't, I think it was something like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just talking to her. Now, full disclosure, the reason why I did not notice that you were talking to someone, you've mentioned that you were talking to your sister. And to be fair, she's about three and a quarter inches taller than a little person. <laughs> okay. She's going to be really mad when she hears that. She does not like short Short girl jokes. She's not going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. She is very, yeah, she's like not she is even five feet. vertically challenged. <laughs> so I did not, out of the peripheral, did not see her standing there. So I come over, I make my approach. I see this beautiful woman standing in front of me. I think I say something charming and clever, which is part of my job, I guess. And did not get over. Went over like a fart in church. <laughs> and I remember specifically saying, oh, Okay, kind of like Chandler Bing, like, I'm going to go over here now. Yep, I remember it. And then I I went back to what I was doing, and you and your sister finished the conversation. And then do you want me to tell the story, or you tell the story about (laughs) Well, I wasn't there, so why don't you tell the story? Okay, so Veronica and her sister finish the conversation. Veronica exits the restaurant, and sister, Crystal, walks over. And I immediately lock eyes with Crystal, and I said, who was that? And Crystal, you know, like 16 years old at the time, very unassuming, like, oh, that's my sister. And I asked the question that has become famous now, I guess, apparently within our family, which was, is she married? And the response was, with a puzzle, no. And I right away, without hesitation, responded, does she want to be? And Crystal didn't know what to say. She really didn't. She's like, I don't know. Well, wasn't I was I nineteen or twenty at the time? You would have been twenty. I was twenty. So, so. I was nineteen. You yeah. would have been twenty. And so again, Crystal, sixteen year old high school kid, doesn't know doesn't know me from Adam. Well, she liked you though. I yeah, mean, you but, were her shift manager. Right. So I mean, she I liked yeah, you. but she did I mean, she doesn't know me. She and now there's this creepy dude that's asking about her sister and if she's married, does she want to be? Like that's it's pretty forward, but it is what it is. So, I wrote down my name and number and I was like, "Hey, give this to your sister and if she's interested, have her call me." 
And I guess the rest is history. Yep. Something and like that's that. going to wrap it up. For, no. <laughs> so we began a courtship there in the summer of 1999. You did call me. You waited a couple days. <laughs> and you did end up calling me. I did. You did, which I was very happy about. And we started dating. I'm debating on if I want to tell <laughs> the story. Why don't you let me tell that story? Uh, oh, you're so embarrassed. Your face is starting. I'm to turn very a embarrassed, red. but it'll it'll be good audio. So yeah, go go ahead. So our first date, David asked me to go on a date, and he did gives me no information about what we're going to be doing. Right. So I don't. Did you pick me up? I don't even remember if you picked me up. You might, or we met. We may have met at. I think we met at the video store. I think we met at the video. So back then there were still video stores. Um, <laughs> so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for him. <laughs> and we get in there where he's like, hey, so I haven't gotten paid yet this week. Um, can you pay for the video? <laughs> Which I did. Then we went back to my parents' house and we watched the, we got two videos. We got two movies, yes. I splurged. And we watched the movies and... Now, okay, so let me give some context. So, in in fairness, full disclosure, I'm 19 years old. (laughs) I make a shift manager's (laughs) salary at Burger King. And I remember this specifically. They had just changed the, the pay schedule. When, like when we got paid. So it used to be we got paid on Fridays, like every other Friday. Well, again, what they were noticing was, well, people would show up, get their paycheck, and then not come to work because Quit. they yeah. wanted to go spend their money or right. call out sick or whatever. So the decision was made to switch paydays from Fridays to Mondays. Well, that change happened. Either I forgot about it when I asked you out or whatnot. And again, I'm 19 years old. I'm I'm barely balancing a checkbook, people. Plus, I've got rent to pay. I've got a brand new car payment that I've got to pay and insurance and gas and all that good stuff. And I remember probably about the day before. Yeah, because we our date was on a Saturday. And I remembered on Friday, oh, I'm not getting paid today. I don't get paid till Monday. And I paid my rent. I paid my car payment. I paid my insurance. Basically paid the majority, if not all, my bills. And then had no money. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell this girl that I can't go out with her because I don't have any money because she's going to think I'm an idiot. But then if I still go out on the date, I was like, I'll figure something out. Well, then I must have got distracted or something, didn't come up with a game plan. And I was like, oh, well, here we go. And so, yes, you did pay for the first date. And I've been paying ever since. Oh, that is such bull, but okay. That is his favorite line, and it's ridiculous. So, to be clear. But it's true. It's not, actually. (laughs) But we'll go with it. So, you didn't... You didn't run. Well, I guess you couldn't run away because we were at your parents' house. So no, we we watched. Do you remember the two movies we watched? I know the one was Philadelphia. Yep, which I picked is that. Really sad and depressing. Well, I picked that because you picked. What did I pick? I don't remember. There's something about Mary. I knew. Yes, but that's a great movie. Well, but I wanted a balance. Like, okay. okay, we could get like one serious movie and then we could get a comedy. And I was like, oh, you know, this is. Yeah, I don't think those two movies should even be in the same like 
Yeah. Philadelphia won the Academy Award for Best Picture. I know, Picture. but it's really sad. Right, but again, trying to balance comedy, drama, you know, little little ying, little yang. What's so funny is now, if we were picking movies, you would all day long pick the comedy, and I would pick the serious movie. 100%. So I don't know what happened there. Yeah, but... I don't 20 plus years yeah. of, yeah, life. Yeah. But yes, so we watched these movies, and then... I ended up leaving, and I wasn't really sure how it went. Um, I didn't feel terrible about it because you paid for the movies, and we went and watched the movies. And then I waited for a couple days, and then did I call you or did you call me? I think I called you. Yeah, I don't remember, to be honest. And I remember every time that I would try to call you, if you weren't working, what were you doing? Sleeping. Which our 18-year-old daughter sleeps all the time. Like, I think she slept all day today, except for when she was in her virtual classes. That's all she does. So, yeah. I I would prefer to, back then, not anymore, but I used to prefer to sleep to anything. Like, eat anything. Sleep was my jam. I loved to sleep. Now I've gotten old and I can't take naps unless I take <laughs> some Tylenol PM. And see, I, I'm really good at naps. You do. You take nap. I can't take naps. But it's the problem terrible. is I take the nap and then I'm awake because generally I'll miss my window and I'll take a nap too late in the day. Or if I take a nap early enough in the day, I take too long of a nap. And then so about... 10, 1030 when everybody's ready to go to bed and go to sleep. I'm wired and ready to go. So You're I'm like up. a toddler. I really like it just dawned on me that that's why like parents don't let their toddlers take naps because then they don't sleep at night. So it's a little. Oh, blinking emoji. Yeah. So the first date was somewhat of a success. You decided that, OK, I'll I'll give this guy. A shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of started dating. Yeah. And instantly felt like we had a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried explaining this to our kids because they've, in the times when they've asked, you know, well, what was it like when you were dating and how did you know? And the thing that I always come back to is, you know, when you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was only 19 and you were 20, but I knew. And I, I just... I knew. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we dated and got serious in terms of, like, I, I think this may be the one. Like, this may be the woman that I spend the rest of my life with. And figured that out about three months in. Yeah. It's hard to say that, isn't it? Well, I mean. Because people look at us like we're crazy. Yeah. Wait, you got engaged after three months? We did. We sure did. We sure did. I remember going to your parents' house. And asking your dad for permission. That was scary. Actually, I mean. For me, it was scary. Yeah, I I, I wasn't that afraid. I, I remember the gist of the conversation. You know, he, I mean, he knew it was coming. Yeah. Just from the scuttlebutt around the house. He knew it was coming. Yeah. And so I scheduled time with him because he's a busy guy. And so I just, we sat down and I said, hey, I, I love your daughter and I want to marry her. He's like, well, how are you going to provide for her? And laid out my plan. Mm-hmm. He apparently didn't find too many flaws with it. But I remember 
the last thing that he said mm-hmm. was like he he gave me his blessing and then he said whatever you do don't was it, i think it was like don't hurt my daughter or don't put your hands on my daughter like whatever you do like don't hit my daughter yeah and something to the effect of i've lived a long life and i will have no problem spending the rest of it in jail <laughs> Yeah. In other words, you won't live through it. <laughs> like, right. He's not. Yeah. And he's not kidding. No. Nope. He's not playing. No. And that I fully anticipate his... that one day I'll have to have that conversation with mm-hmm. a young man. Yeah. Who comes calling for our oldest daughter. But okay. yeah. Well, we're probably not too far away if. Well, let's. But we like. So it worked out for us. It did. It did. Well, but has we, it? We've been married for. <laughs> here's, here's something. We've been married for almost 21 years, mm-hmm. so I would say it's worked out to this point. To this point. And, but would you recommend that to others? Oh, absolutely not. Do not, no. yeah. Like, no. we, uh, God's divine intervention and grace, um, and we grew up together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where maybe our marriage worked and others don't that get married young. I think you can grow apart. Or you can grow up together. And we grew up together. So we had all those life experiences together. And we really have become partners. Um, But I do not recommend that to others. So I'm really hoping our daughter does not come to us at 19 or 20 years old and says, hey, I want to get married. If she does, she does. But I hope that she'll have a little more life experience before she makes that decision. Yeah, uh, like you said, I mean, I think you you said it perfectly. And while I think at the time, it's easy now, 20 plus years to look back. You know, when I look at myself at age 19, I look at you at age 20, we were mature for our ages Mm -hmm. in terms of just kind of where we, you know, our priorities and things like Mm -hmm. that. But again, we're, I mean, we're barely adults. And if you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're still kids. Mm-hmm. And we're making a pretty adult decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that people, when we were younger, I'll, I'll always remember when people ask, well, when they find out you're married, well, how, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm 20 or 21 or 22. And um, and even, like, after we started having kids, I was mm-hmm. like, well, how, how long have you been married? Like, well, no, we I've been married for X amount of years. We got married because we wanted to. They're doing the mental math to see right. if there was a baby on board Yeah, and before. I'm, I'm using air quotes, which you can, you know, nobody can see because it's a podcast. But we got married because we wanted to, not because we had to. Correct. It wasn't one Our of those. first child was not born for two years. Correct. After we were married. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that was generally the first question that, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, because people assume you would only get married that young if you... Had to, to, which, by the way, is not a good reason to get married. I'm just saying Um, to each their own, though. Yeah. So, no, you're you're absolutely right. I would not recommend to most, if not all young people that generally the the math is not in your favor. The odds are not in your favor. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that we have made it and we I feel like are very successful in our marriage and our relationship because like you said, we're partners. It's mm-hmm. a partnership. It's a team. And sometimes the team struggles and the team has an off year, just mm-hmm. like I'm using a sports analogy, which right. people are very aware of with me. 
Um, but we've had a lot more winning years than we've had losing years. And I think mm-hmm. that for me, when I look at our marriage and when I try to define success, you know, I, I don't, for us, I don't look at, well, this is what I've attained. Like, I don't look at the nice house that God has blessed us with or the nice vehicles that we have to drive or the amount of money that we have in the bank. Like I, those are, those are nice things. Those are luxuries. Don't get me wrong. But I look at, you know, how do I treat my wife? How does my wife treat me? What kind of human beings are our kids? Mm -hmm. How do other people view them as young adults getting ready to enter the world? And the fact that we have so many people that constantly compliment us about how polite and respectful our children are that's how i know that we have we've made it and we're winning when it comes to relationship and parents being parents because we've been very fortunate and very blessed to have been given these three just unbelievable human beings and the fact that they've turned out so well in spite of I was just going to say in spite of us who yeah. their parents are Amen to that Because look it's real easy to make it Facebook pretty and Instagram pretty that you know you're yeah got the perfect life and and everything's look like I said we've had a lot more good years than we have bad but it's not always been you know a, a winning a winning season and because you and I made that commitment to each other that when we got married, it was for life, mm-hmm. and marriage is a commitment, and and love is it's tough, it's it's not easy, yeah, all of the time. Right. There are right. times where, you know, I've done things that just absolutely make you want to wring my neck, and you've done things yep. at times that just absolutely make me want to wring your neck, but I can't because I promise your dad, <laughs> and you want to live, and I want to live, but I wouldn't. No. And so, you know, for me, it's just, it's crazy to say it because we have these conversations all of the time, Mm -hmm. just between the two of us, not sharing it on a podcast to put out (laughs) into the world. But it really makes you stop and think about just our life and how crazy it is and how blessed we are. And that's not bragging. It's just, I'm, yeah, at at times it just, I, I don't really have the words. Yeah, it's, it's, you look back and you're like, how did I get here? I, I think that all the time. Like, how did I how did I get here? You know, I think the biggest thing that's probably if, if someone said, well, what what is it that you think helped you raise these kids the way that they are turning out to be? And I think it's that they see they know we're human. We don't we apologize you know, it's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I have for any parent um, is you have to be willing to admit when you're wrong and to say you're sorry and model that behavior for your, especially your teenagers, um, and constantly, you know, evaluate how you handle things. So, you know, Angelique and I had a situation even this week where, the way that I communicated something to her upset her. And so once she had calmed down, you know, she said, this really bothered me. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about what about the way that I communicated upset you so that I can learn from it. 
um, and grow as a parent. You know, it's and again, it's not to say that I'm not going to parent you like it's not that's not the option, but it's can I communicate in a way that makes it easier for her to understand what I'm trying to say and and kind of guide her. And at 18 now, you know, she still lives in our house. So absolutely, she's still under our, um, what would you call it? I don't want to call it control. Roof, rules. Rules, yeah. I mean, she's still, but we're also more and more telling her, you're an adult. You need to make your own decision. You're an adult. You need to make, and we taught our kids how to make decisions, which a lot, I don't know that, I think that's a missed skill in young people. Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the, the biggest things. I, I'm not an old guy yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I'm old. I'm 40 going on. 85 in spirit. Yes. <laughs> but I found over the last couple of years some people that I've become friends with and built relationships with. Some people have come to me and asked me for advice because, again, we had our kids so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people that are around our age that have very – young children. Mm -hmm. And I don't have like, I'm 40 and our youngest child will be 16 this year. Right. So all of that stuff with, you know, preteen and teen (laughs) stuff. I mean, the teen stuff isn't too far in the rearview mirror for us, but Mm -hmm. the preteen stuff is, is, you know, a bit down the road. Thank God. And I've had people kind of ask me, well, you know, when this happened with your kids, you know, how did you handle it and things like that? And I, again, I just, you're, so smart you hit the nail on the head it's it's being able to teach your kids how to make decisions and how to think for themselves and at the same time something that i think that we've done a really good job with and again it's this is not the pat yourself on the back podcast but one thing that i think that we've found that balance with with our kids and again i guess we haven't done the rundown so we have three children Mm-hmm. Oldest child, Angelique, 18 years old, was the first child, senior in high school. Middle child, son Owen, 17 years old, sophomore in high school. Baby of the family, Isabella, 15 years old, our autistic princess, keeps everybody on their toes. Um, we have found the balance of being able to be parents, but at the same time can be their friend Mm-hmm. In terms of building that relationship where our children feel comfortable bringing things to us, talking to us. Um, you and I had just, I, I can't even put into words the the difference in backgrounds that we mm-hmm. had growing up. You grew up in a very different environment than I did, vice versa. I would never have felt comfortable talking to my mom about subjects that both or all of our kids have come to us about at times. And so that's another thing that I really think we've, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that we've, we've built that relationship and and really we've built, you know, home is this, the safe place Mm -hmm. and, you know, everywhere else in the world, you know, you, yeah, you can go out and you can do things and whatnot, but, you know, that term safe space gets, you know, thrown around and, and made fun of. But really, we've made home safe space that no matter what happens, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you have done, you can always come home 
It's a safe spot, and you can always talk to mom and dad regardless of what has happened. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people in the world that want to tear other people apart and that want to tear your children apart. That should not be happening at home. I mean, they need to have a place where they can, really, you're kind of trying to keep them whole and put them back together. So that's my view is, you know, there's pressure in the world. There's people out there that are going to constantly point at what your kids do wrong. So why don't you be the counterbalance and really constantly remind them of what they do right and what they have to offer and um, build a lot of like character strength that way. And I think all three of our kids, obviously, um, Izzy, you know, she, she she's, she's uh, her own little person. Um, and it's very different for her than the other two. But I think for the other two, I, we, I see that. I see that every day in them. So. So let's talk about you specifically for a little bit. So we talked about the family. We talked about kind of our origin story about how we've gotten here, how we've, you know, gone through good times and bad times and, you know, 21 years this July of of marriage, 22 years together. But let's talk a little bit about you. So I talked briefly about how we grew up in very different environments. Uh, I grew up with a mom with my biological parents separating, divorcing when I was very young. Uh, My mom remarried someone who I don't wish to talk about on the podcast for, I don't know what kind of reasons, but that's another podcast for another day. For mature reasons. Okay. Uh, You grew up in a much different environment. So talk a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah. So my dad was career military. So he served 22 years in the army. Um, He was an officer in the military. Um, So that meant that we moved every two to four years. And so um, I was born in Colorado, but lived all over the United States and lived in Germany. We actually lived in Germany when the Berlin Wall was still up. Um, My sister was born in Berlin. So, you know, I grew up in a pretty... um, regimented home you know there was expectations but my parents both loved us very much my parents were still married um they were fabulous parents they really did love us and that was very evident they were supportive you know they went to I was an athlete in high school and so they went to you know they went to all my games they supported me I was into drama they really supported all of that and so I think um and and I grew up in a home that you know, I was a Christian home, so God was important, and God is still important in our home. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my upbringing, kind of all over the world, really. Well, it's good to see that the drama hasn't subsided. As you said that you were into drama in high school, good to see that the drama hasn't subsided. And yes, that I you've, do have that about me sometimes. And you've uh, passed that gene on to our children. I can be a little dramatic. Angelique can be a little dramatic. Owen can be a little dramatic. I'm never dramatic. Okay. Okay, podcaster voice. Ever. <laughs> right. Never dramatic. But no, it it's just, it's been such 
a unique experience being an extended member of your family. Again, very much your typical American family with a mom and a dad and some kids and some pets and had a very unique experience of, you know, being in the military and and living and traveling all over the world. A far cry from from my experience, but talk about that military experience as a kid when your dad is in the army it's not like most other kids where you're born and you grow up somewhere and you go to that school for usually your entire k through 12 experience obviously being in the military that's that's not the that's not the deal so talk about the the academic background and the, and the social background of being the kid who is constantly on the go I think there's pros and cons. So the the challenge is you're kind of always the new kid. So um, we became very tight as a family. And I would say that for the most part, that's still very true. Um, we, even though my dad retired, he retired when I was a junior in high school, worked for a company and they moved to Iowa we were living in Colorado and I spent another year in Colorado and then just really couldn't take it and ended up moving to Iowa to be with my family. We all ended up here. We all live in the same city, um, which is really pretty unique for a military family. That's kind of been all over the place. Like all, um, my oldest brother and I, and then both graduated high school in two different States. And then the younger two, ended up graduating here in Iowa. But I mean, we, so three different states were our graduation. So that just kind of shows you how much we were moving. So I think it's, I mean, it, it can be really challenging to be the new kid and to figure out where you fit in. Um, it has created for me a, I like to have some variety and, um, because we moved all the time, you get used to sort of things are changing. And so if I, if I sit too long, I get a little like complacent and bored. So where that has translated is in my career. Like I've been with the same company for a long time, but I change positions. I've been able to change positions in that company like every two to three years. And I think that's where a lot of that it comes for me. It's probably because, again, in my academics, I was constantly changing. So I like to have that variety. It's interesting that you mentioned the variety, that you like to have variety, yet you've <laughs> been married I to the same it. guy. You've worked for the same company now yeah. for almost within a few months of us being married or being together. I mean, 20 plus years with the same organization. Mm -hmm. So I just, I find it fascinating that oh, I like variety. I, I like change. Well, you haven't changed husbands. You haven't changed employers. You've changed positions, but not employers. Uh, you are someone that has risen up the corporate ranks. And it, it, you're not an overnight success. Mm -mm. Um, obviously, you know, it took a, a long time and a lot of hard work. But talk a little bit about someone in your profession 
and someone who has moved up and, and worked their way up the corporate ladder. Again, your story on how you have risen in your organization and my story, how I've risen in mine, mm-hmm. are very different. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, you have climbed much higher <laughs> than me, and I'm 100% okay with that. Very supportive. I don't care who makes the money as long as somebody's <laughs> making it because I like to spend it. So as long as somebody's making it, as long as I get to spend it, I don't care. But talk about your your rise up the corporate ladder. Uh, you're in a, a pretty good position. You've certainly worked your ass off to get there. Um, talk a little bit about that. Well, I started in the call center, and I'm, I'm not going to name the company, although I'm sure if you could find it pretty quickly, but um, I started in the call center. And I actually, when I started at the company, I hadn't finished my degree because I was pretty young. I was still college aged. Um, And then we, we literally got engaged the weekend before I started at that company. And so a year later, we were getting married. And then, you know, a year after that, was it a year or two years after that, we're having, started having our children. So I did not get my bachelor's degree for like 10 years. Um, But I got that degree while I was working full time and had my three kids and they were young. Um, So I got my undergrad and at the same time I'm getting the, the work experience. And then, um, you know, 10 years later, I got my master's degree and just, you know, this last year I, I got some of my designations that are, they're challenging to get. And so, you know, I, I think it's, if I had to sum it up, it would be the willingness to listen to feedback, um, to, you know, work really hard. I call myself, I, I'm a grinder. Like, so I I work, I have high expectations for myself. My teens would say I have high expectations for them, but I care about them deeply as people. And so those expectations are just because I want them to be successful, not because of anything but that. And so it's, it's really served me pretty well. So I, I love what I do. I love getting to work with people. I love the company that I work for. And, um, yeah. My that's my career story. As much as we can share on a podcast, right? We'll right. we'll change the names to protect the innocent, or however the saying goes. Right. So we've talked about you. We've talked about us. We've talked about our kids. We've talked about our relationship. We talked about career. One thing that I do want to talk about, and it's really the main reason <laughs> that I wanted you to do the podcast, and why you're starting to squeam and squirm. <laughs> In your chair is it's been a very challenging year that was 2020 for everyone. I mean, you cannot find a single person walking the face of the earth that has not been impacted, challenged, whatever, in terms of COVID-19 and the pandemic. On top of that, you went through a pretty life-changing event Let's talk about it. I did. And I am really uncomfortable about this. And he knows it. Um, so I, should I start at the end, like, or at the beginning? You can start at the end and work backwards, or you can start at the beginning and work to the end. 
All right. Well, let's start at the beginning. So I, um, well, like I'll just drop the, like I have lost a significant amount of weight. Um, I have lost at my highest weight, I've lost 116 pounds. Um, and it's hard for me to even say that cause it's just a little shocking sometimes like 116 pounds. You basically lost a person. I did. Um, what's, what's shocking to me is that I was carrying an extra person. Um, but yes, I did. I was a, I was a healthy kid. I was an athlete. So I played volleyball. I was varsity volleyball, varsity basketball. Um, so I was healthy until I got out of high school and then, you know, some of those eating habits will catch up with you. And then probably the biggest turning point for me was when I had back surgery right after we got married. So we, I had uh, two herniated discs in my lower back and had to, at 21 years old, had to have back surgery. And back then they weren't doing them through scope. So they actually like cut open your muscles and through that recovery, I put on a significant amount of weight and then we started having kids and I put on more weight and I put on weight and I put on weight. And so, um, I have tried, I tried every diet ever known to man, um, weight watchers. I tried keto. I tried just tracking my calories. Like I tried everything and there's a, a desperation that comes, I think, from being overweight and not being able, like you get to a point where it's, you know, one step forward, five steps back. And I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, I had spent my entire adult life really caring for other people. So, you know, you, our kids, and it uh, felt like it was, I was finally at a point in my life where it was time to make my health a priority. And so I made the decision that I was going to have weight loss surgery. And it wasn't a decision that I made lightly. And I think part of the reason why I struggle to talk about it is because there's so much stigma that comes with it. You know, people tend to think that you took the easy way out. Oh, that's, you know, and people kind of brush it off. And to be perfectly honest, I had the same thoughts. When I heard other people talk about this, I would be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, of course you lost it then. That was easy. What you learn through the process is that it's not easy. And David and the kids can attest to this. It has been one of the hardest things that I've ever done because they, they do things to your stomach so that you can't eat as much, but they don't do anything to your brain. And really, people that um, overeat, and I, I won't lump everybody in, but for me, I firmly believe I have a, a food addiction. Like, I love food um, in an unhealthy way. It's not, I don't see food as nutrition. I do more now, but I still sometimes struggle with it. Um Food was a reward. Food was what I thought about. Food was like what, you know. So I had a, a very unhealthy relationship with food. And the surgery doesn't fix that part of it. So you learn very quickly, like, how much of a problem it is. 
as you're going through this process. And so I really, every day it's a choice. It's a choice that, nope, I'm going to eat my protein. I'm not going to eat a bunch of sugar. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to take my vitamins. I'm going to work out. I work out five days a week. And David can attest to how hard it is. And there are times, there have been times through this journey where I will just look at him and be like, I need help because I like I'm obsessing over something and I can't get it out and he will just go and throw it away, dump it, whatever it is. He's like, okay, it's gone. Like we're, you know, so my family has been huge in this journey for me. Um, you guys have been amazing. All of you, all, all of you have been beyond and I could not, I don't, I couldn't have done it by myself. I really don't think I could have. So so a couple things I want to circle back and talk about. So let's talk about that decision that you finally got to the point where you just enough is enough. You said you tried every diet that there was and nothing really stuck. And like you said, one step forward, five steps back. Full disclosure, of the two of us, I had actually decided... I don't know if it was before you or I had acted on it before you did, but I had made the decision that I was going to do this and had gotten as far as, you know, calling the insurance company and finding out about, yep, it's covered. There's a whole program. Here's all the steps that you have to go through. And so I enrolled in the program and had my conversations, I think, with a nutritionist and they were talking about, okay, well, you know, here's you hear the benefits, you know, here's what it does, but also here are the things that have to happen. And that conversation basically talked me out of wanting to do mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. because I was not and still am not at a point where I feel like I can make the commitment. And now having seen what you do, you know, I, I don't I don't know that I can do that. Now, could I do it? Absolutely. Do I want to do it? <laughs> Not really. Right. And what's interesting is when you then, I don't know, probably this was, you know, mine was like three or four years ago. And then probably about a year or so after I had said I was going to do it and then I didn't, you would come to me and said, hey, I, I want to do this. And I, I did not support it. And I, I did not... I did not handle that well. And, you know, I was like, ah, oh, you don't need to do that. You know, you just, you got to focus. You got to focus on your diet. You got to exercise. And again, this is the guy that's like 60 pounds overweight, you know, telling somebody who's trying to get their life right. Well, this is all you need to do. Hold on. Let me grab this Big Mac and these French fries. And I'm going to eat this while I'm telling you about how you need to fix your life type thing. And, you know, I, when I look back, it's like, man. That, that was a definite swing and a miss because if I had just, and, and it, it wasn't even that I was, well, I don't want my wife getting skinny and looking all hot and, you know, going to leave me for another dude. It wasn't like, it, that was the furthest thing. It was just, ah, oh, you don't need to do that. I mean, kind of like, that's the easy way out. You just, you go have the surgery and it's the easy way out. Just, you got to work hard. Well, no, stupid, you got to have the surgery and then you have to work twice as hard. And I I didn't understand that at first. And so 
you know, we've had this conversation not with microphones in mm-hmm. front of our faces, but let me publicly, because we've broached the subject, tell you that I'm sorry. Well, full disclosure, I didn't support you either. So well, I was gonna, I was gonna leave that part out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will out myself. So when you went through that, I had the same concerns. I was like, I don't want you to do this, and. Again, it, it has nothing to do with vanity. It has everything to do with your partner is going to have a surgery and what happens if you don't make it from that surgery. And it does feel like you're doing it for vain reasons to have this. You know, people think, oh, you did this so that you can be thin. No, I did this because I um, am going to have a shorter life expectancy. I am miserable. You know, I don't move the way that I should. And look, as the mom and the person who makes our meals and my kids are looking to me and what kind of example have I set for them? And that was the thing that pushed me over the edge when I was like, I've got to do something for my kids that shows them not the surgery part, but the diet part like that. Look, and and I am not I believe in moderation. So. I don't think that, I think if you deny yourself everything all the time, at some point you binge and you can really have problems. Um, but I think that, you know, the majority of your diet needs, food needs to be nutrition, not a reward, not, you know, something. And I struggle with it. I, I say it all the time. I have food porn on my phone. Because it's literally, his eyes just got really big. But I'll just like watch videos of food being made. And it's, it's, yeah. So I'm still, I'm still working on it. It's sometimes I'm like, I got to put this down. This is a problem. Like I'm, yeah, like it's, it's a real problem. So I didn't always support you either in um, making that kind of decision. It's a big decision to make. It's not one that I think anybody should make lightly. And you're right, when the doctor sat me down and said, look, you need to give up pasta, you need to give up potatoes, you need to give up bread, you need to give up soda, um, you need to give up coffee. That one I didn't give up. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie. That one I still I still do. Um, not, I do like one coffee a day. Um, you've got to give all these things up. You've got to give up pizza. You've got to give it up. Can you do it? And I looked at him, I was like, I'm ready. Now, I, we, David was there. I went through a mourning period, like right after, I would say, was it my pre-op or my post-op? My two-week, because you go on a two-week liquid diet before your surgery, which is really tough because nothing's changed in your body, but you are on liquid. Like that, and it's so that your liver can shrink. Um... So that was tough, but you're also excited about the fact that you're getting, and I did not cheat. I, all the time in the groups, I'm in a lot of support groups, people, did you cheat? No, I did not cheat on my, look, if you can't make it through two weeks of liquid, you are in big trouble because it's, I don't know how you're going to be disciplined enough to do it after. And then it was another four weeks before I had any type of like solid food. So it, it's definitely a long process. Now I eat like I don't have any limitations beyond like amount of food. So I can eat whatever I want. And that's the thing. That's how people gain the weight back. They can eat whatever they want. So you just eat smaller amounts. But if you eat junk all the time, you're 
you're going to gain it back and, and defeats the whole purpose. And the interesting thing about the timing of all of this, so you started this process towards the end of 2019. It was fourth quarter? Yeah, it was right around Thanksgiving, I think, is when I came to you and said, I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. Like, I think I had failed at Weight Watchers yet again. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm, I'm just, I can't. I need help. And... Um, so that's when I started and I got approval. Um, and well, my surgery was in February of 2020, but I got approval beginning of February. Yeah. And it, it was probably about a three month process from mm-hmm. when you initiate with the insurance company to getting the, and there's a whole system of things that hey, you have to go to the doctor and you got to go see this person and you got to do this and you got to do that. And when I talk about the timing, so again, your surgery was, I think it was February 25th, Fifth. Yep. 2020. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, if if I had a crystal ball <sighs> for what was to come. So we have your surgery. I remember it was on a Tuesday. We have the surgery. Everything's fine. Um, you know, you sleep off and on. I go to sleep. I remember wake, I stayed in the hospital room with you. Uh, and again, this is... This is two weeks before, before the world the shut down. Yeah. Before you know, coronavirus was starting to hit the U.S., but things hadn't shut down or anything like that yet. We didn't have any cases in Iowa. I woke up Wednesday morning and I just I felt like something in my chest, like ah something just doesn't doesn't feel right. Not like heart issue, but like literally in my chest, and just you know kind of went through the day and. You know, had to go you know, pick up the kids from school and this and that. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to come back later and I'll have dinner with you. Well, I'll have dinner away from you because you couldn't eat. And then we'll spend the evening together and you're supposed to come home the next day. And I came home and I just, I felt like death. And I spiked a fever and I didn't feel, I, I couldn't get off the couch. And I remember calling, I was like, babe, I, I, I can't come back. No, no, stay home, stay home. So you, I, I willed myself to come get you the next day to bring you home and you know got you set up with what you needed in the bedroom and then i basically went to the older two kids like i i need your help because i'm i'm dying i don't know what's going on but i'm dying and finally went to the doctor on saturday and was in this waiting room with literally 30 other people all with the same thing sitting there like do i have this coronavirus like am i I haven't been to wherever England or mm-hmm. Europe or wherever you know it right. came from. Tested positive for influenza B. Forty, not even forty, almost forty years old. Never had influenza in my life. Never had a flu shot. <laughs> Used to make fun of somebody for getting it. Like, what do you need a flu shot for? I never had the flu. What do I need a flu shot for? And that was one of the requirements of you getting the surgery was you had to get a flu shot. And thank God. You did not get influenza, and I did, yeah. and I was so I was literally out of action for the first week on this new experience with our older two kids trying to take care of mom, take care of their sister, take care of themselves, check in on dad. I mean, it was it was a rough start for you. It was a rough start for me. You had some. When I say complication, I mean just general, mm-hmm. you know, soreness and yeah. nausea and all kinds of stuff after. And 
I think it was a little worse than you had anticipated. It was a lot worse. <laughs> the I had read a lot about my biggest concern was nausea. I hate throwing up. That was another reason why I thought this might work for me because I will do anything to avoid the feeling of being nauseous, like anything. Um, I hate it. And so the the surgery, I they cut nerves, you know, cuz essentially they're taking your stomach from the size that it is to about the size of a banana. And when they cut through all of that, they're cutting nerves. And it, I woke up so nauseous and I don't think I was like nauseous for the first two days. I really didn't like it. It wasn't until the second night. I I was only supposed to stay one night in the hospital, but I had to stay an additional night because I was so nauseous and they finally got it under control. It was rough. Um, It was really rough. But hardest thing you've ever gone through. Yeah, I I would say it was even harder. Well, childbirth is pretty bad. And I had kind of a rough one. So I don't know if I would say it's hard. It's mentally the hardest thing that I've ever. And that was going to be my next. So, okay. Which was which was worse, the physical or the mental? The the mental is and it's still I, I this is not meant to offend anybody, but I still have what I call fat girl brain. I will look at food and be like, oh my gosh, that's not going to be enough for me. And then I'll be like, oh, that's way more than I should. I should be eating a kid's meal. I should not like, you know, and I still don't for, I I follow my diet 95% of the time. Like I'm pretty, like I don't drink soda. I do allow myself Saturdays to be a little looser than I am the rest of the week, but I'm pretty regimented. And, um, but I still sometimes will look at things and be like, Ooh, that like, you know, Oh, I should, I need to eat more of that. And then it's like, um, no. So yeah, the mental is hard. You're in a war with yourself all the time. Like it's a constant battle. So if there's anyone out there who may be listening to this or anybody that is thinking about going down the same path of of having this life-changing procedure to essentially have the surgery to restrict your stomach and to be able to eat less and lose weight and get healthy, you know, just real quick, what are a couple of, of tips or tricks or advice that you would give to anyone who's considering this? I would say, do your research. I did a lot of research. I talked to people I knew that had had the surgery. I read books. I read articles. I watched videos. Like, I really educated myself not only on what the procedure would be like. That's the easy part, quite frankly. Having the surgery is the easy part. The hard part is everything that comes after. And now I think I'm actually headed into the hardest part, which is maintaining how do I maintain what I've done? And and I told you this the other day. I thought, I don't know where in my brain that I thought, oh, when you hit your goal, which I'm beyond my goal now, but when it, when you hit your goal, it will suddenly be easy. 
Like, it'll be fine. You know, I'll know what I should eat, what I shouldn't eat. I won't want the things that I'm not supposed to eat. It'll be easy. That is not true. Every day, I have to make a choice. And I think that's the part that you really have to, again, understand. Like, this and that feeling of fullness, my doctor tells me this, all it does go away. And I already have some of that. Like, I can eat more now than when I could before. So I'm truly limiting myself now more than my body is limiting me. Now, granted, I can't go crazy because I will make myself sick, but I can definitely eat more than they recommend. So I measure my food. David sees me. I like have a scale and I weigh my food and I measure my food um, so that I don't overeat, eat more calories than I want to. Um, so it's really understanding what head hunger is versus like real physical hunger. I did not understand the difference. So here's my tip that the dietitian told me. I told my best friend this and she uses it all the time. So hopefully you guys find it helpful. You know, it's head hunger when you've got carrots in your fridge and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. I really want to go eat those cookies. And you're like, no, if I'm really hungry, I'll eat the carrots. And if you're like, well, I don't feel like carrots. You're not physically hungry. It's your, it's your head hunger. So just ask yourself, am I willing to eat carrots? And if the answer is no, then you're not physically hungry. <laughs> and I sometimes will catch myself walking into the pantry and I'll be like, yep, nope, I am not physically hungry. I am just looking and thank God we don't have things in there that I will eat that I'm not supposed to. All right. Well, it's my show. And so... Obviously, at some point, I have to make it about me. So as we start to wrap up our conversation, tell me one thing that I do on the regular that just absolutely drives you nuts. Oh, my gosh. Really? One one thing is that I... Is this a question from someone? No. Okay, we'll, we'll get to truly we'll, from you. We'll okay. get to questions. One thing that you do that irritates me... You have this look that you will give me when you think I have done something stupid or ask a stupid question. It, it is, it's triggering. I'm going to use what our 18-year-old daughter's <laughs> word. She always talks about being triggered, which we giggle about because mm. I think it's like. Yes. She's not a millennial. What is, what is she? I don't know. Gen Z or yeah, whatever. Tide pod. She's a, yeah. She's a Gen Z. So. It just triggers me a little bit when I get this look from David, like he, he looks at me like I might be the stupidest person he's ever been. Now he's rolling his eyes, but he does have a look and I will call him out on it. And so he knows what I'm saying is true, but that is probably the thing that sends me over the edge. What is your favorite memory of something that we've done together, whether it's a trip or an experience Give me one thing that if you were to tell everybody you know to find the, the best thing, the most favorite thing that we've done oh in 20 God. plus years, hit me. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with when all three of our – so I'm going to give you a, like a, an experience of somewhere we've been, but I want to say that for me one of the moments in our lives that will always stand out is when all three of our kids were born – and the moment they cry and we would lock eyes, there was just something about this moment of like, that's our child. Yeah. 
and like I would burst into tears. And sure. Then, so that is something that's always stood with me, like that first cry, and mm-hmm. then you and I just having that like connection of like that's ours. Right. Um, beyond that, when we went to Italy. Oh man. For our 15th wedding anniversary, literally the best trip of my entire life. We could do a whole podcast on Italy. Uh, Venice. Uh, you didn't like mm. Venice. Uh, Venice was the most romantic, most amazing city ever. It was on my bucket list. Somewhere I'd always wanted to go. And then we, we made our way down. We went into Tuscany and stayed in Florence, um, saw Pisa. Um, and then went down into Rome and then did a day trip to Pompeii. And it was the best trip we've ever... I mean, do you agree? 100%. Highly recommend it. If you have the ability to travel abroad once things get <laughs> yeah. back to normal, I Post, guess. Post-COVID. <laughs> Post-COVID, I would definitely recommend it. And I'd, I would also recommend do the guided tour. Don't... Mm-hmm. You may be the most adventurous person there is, and and you may like the challenge of trying to figure out the driving laws in other countries and how that all works. I'm of the opinion I just want to pay the money, and you take me there and show me everything and tell me everything. And for me, I agree. It was the the best trip that we've ever had. Uh, it, I mean, clearly it was the the biggest trip that we've ever taken. I mean, we've taken a lot of trips, mm-hmm. you know, in the United States, and we we've yeah. seen a good part of the country. We haven't seen it all. We've seen a good majority of it, but mm-hmm. to be able to have that experience, yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy. Like, you know, what we talked about earlier when I just when I sit back and just think about all the different things that yeah. you and I have experienced in our lives. I mean, it it's crazy. It. It sounds cliche, but it is. It's almost like a fairy tale mm-hmm. because if you if you look at where we started mm-hmm. and you look at... We were poor people. <laughs> no, we were poor. We couldn't afford we the were OR. We were real poor. We were poor. <laughs> we were real poor. We were poor. <laughs> but if you look at where we started to where we are now, yeah, and it's just, it's it's crazy. I mean, you you have given me the life that... I never thought that I would ever have. Like I, when I was younger, like I never imagined being 30 years old, not because I was going to die. I just never thought that I would get that old. Right. And I never thought that I, I mean, I never, when I was 18, 19 years old, I never thought about going to Italy. I never thought about any, you know, never, I never thought about taking my kids to Disney and all this stuff that we've done. Right. And I just, I look back on the first half Mm-hmm. And it's been a really good first half. It really has. But I don't even think we peaked yet. No. We Be- certainly have not. Because we're just coming to the end of the first half. And the stuff that's going to come our way in yeah. the second half. I mean, how do you feel as a mom with a daughter that's about ready to graduate high school and go to college in the fall? Do you want me to sob on this podcast? I don't know. I... I've only cried once. What it really hit me that she's going to be gone at some point. Although she's staying, so that's probably helped me a little bit. Like she's she's actually going to stay at home, but I don't know. It's everybody says and always told us when our kids were little, like how fast it would go, and like you're like yeah 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 yeah, and then you look back and you're just like holy crap! Like I have all the memories of her being born. Like, I remember walking around the hospital. I remember everything. And just like that, 
she's going to graduate high school. Gone. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, um, but I'm proud of her. I'm proud of the woman that she has become. And, you know, we're, what's cool is that as she becomes an adult, we, you know, we've become less, we're still her parents, but more of that friendship starts to come forward even more because we're not responsible for her in that way anymore. So I'm excited for that too. You know, I'm excited to see what she does. I think that um, both our older kids and our, our younger daughter, but our, I think our older two kids um, really have the ability to like make an impact in this world. So I'm excited to see what they do. All right. So as we get ready to, to wind it down here, I went out to social media and I asked, does anyone have any questions for my wife? Anything that you want to know? Anything you want to ask? Anything you want to know? Heard a dish about me? Because again, I have to make it about myself because it's my show. I have a handful of questions here. We have Owen from Ankeny <laughs> would like to know. I know that kid, I think. How annoyed do you get when DCA brings home new wrestling figures? I don't get annoyed at all, quite frankly. I uh, I I get it's interesting, and I I don't want to I don't want to insult anybody else because everybody has their thing, right? Like we all we all have stuff, but it does not bother me in the least bit that you collect wrestling figures. I I really don't care. Like if it makes you happy, go for it. Like that is all you it doesn't offend me you don't have to hide it from me I know there's some people out there that have to hide it from their wife like you don't have to hide that from me um I want you to be happy so if that makes you happy look there's a lot of worse things you could be collecting and doing so if wrestling figures make you happy great now I was a little shocked at the the five hundred dollar figure you bought and then like destroyed but hey you do you that's actually a follow-up question so mark bitters asks veronica are you aware of the money that your husband tosses away like a gum wrapper when he lets all of that gold breathe and for those that are unaware letting it breathe means you take a figure that's in the package that is either rare and or valuable and you let it breathe and you open it to display it loose because if you're an adult that's what you do Here's the deal. What was it? What was his name? Mark Bitters. Mark, here's the thing. My husband takes me to Disney World every year where I put on Mickey ears on rotation. And he will wear the shirts that I have created so that we can match as a family. So, you know, I don't know if I have any room to... Um, complain about David's and here I have a clothing obsession especially now that I've lost all the weight which I use as my excuse to get all new clothes but I love shoes I have way too many shoes I love clothes I love purses so we all have our thing it really does I mean legit like it does not bother me and it doesn't bother me that you open them I don't really care what you do with them to be honest so that's a good segue so Ray asks has my hobby and passion for wrestling figures caused you to lean into a hobby of your own or collect something as well based upon my psycho brain and how I collect and accumulate things? No, Ray, I can't say that David's obsession with um, wrestling figures has led to me being obsessed with 
any specific. I mean, I have hobbies, but I can't say that I have hobbies because David collects these figures. Um, no, I can't. I, no. <laughs> no. Okay. A uh, little more serious question. Okay. Papa Bear Paul wants to know, are you more excited about wrestling cards or wrestling figures? I would say wrestling figures um, because the cards, to me, they're well, one, they're not as exciting, right? And Owen um, had the cards forever. Like, we were buying – I would – when we went to Chicago, I was like, I made David. See, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an enabler. I will go to Target and text David and say, do I need to go in the toy aisle? Like, I look for him all the time. I, when I used to travel for my job, would go into other states. How many times did I pick up figures for you? Several. I would always. Like, I remember one trip. I went to, like, four or five Walmarts looking for figures for you. So, it has, I'm an enabler big time. Owen used to collect the cards and it just seemed like he always got the same cards. Like he was always looking for that one card, but it felt so wasteful. Like you, you have 500 of the same and you're looking for that one special card. So the cards I don't find to be all that exciting. I, I do think the figures can be kind of cool. Uh, last question from some asshole named Adrian. Why did you <laughs> choose this life for yourself? Oh, Adrian. I'm so, I'm very happy with the life that I have. I know, I know he's joking when he says that. Is he though? He is. Is he? He is. is. Um, No, I'm, I'm very happy with the life we have. And I think, you know, I know that people wonder about like, why don't you have like, but all the people listening to this or a lot of the people listening to this collect figures too, right? So they have the same passion that you have. For me, as a like, it's important to me that my husband, who is an adult, feel like he has the ability to do, you know, within reason what he wants to do. So, you know, it's not financially hurting us in any way. If if this makes him happy, then I support him, just like he supports me with the things that make me happy, like trips to Disney. So, you know, we all have our thing. And, uh, I'm quite, I'm quite happy with it. I don't, I do roll my eyes sometimes when the 15th package has arrived and I'm like, what is going on? Um, but he does a good job of getting them out of the way. As long as they don't sit on my kitchen table for too long, like that really irritates me. But it's what we call in the business, a clean sweep. Yeah. He likes to keep them all in a certain space so that he can photograph them and unbox them at the same. So we had a little bit of a uh, disagreement about where his figures should be kept. And I was like, they can be kept in the basement, not on my dining room table. That's fair. But you, yeah, you took care of that. I so do. That's fair. We don't have that issue no, anymore. <laughs> it's, it's all give and take. Yeah. It's teamwork. It is. Well, I'm out of questions and I think we're out of time. I feel like we have successfully chatted it up. I don't know if chatted. With DCA. Yeah. And VAA. And VAA. I tell you what, when I sat down and said, I'm going to do this podcast, there were hundreds of people that I could have asked to be the first guest. 
But really, let's get real. There's only one person that was really worthy. I mean, here's the deal. Girl, you've peaked. I mean, it's it's not going to get any better. I mean, look, let, let's real quick, let's recap your story. Successful career woman. College educated. Great family. Great kids. On a podcast that dozens of people are going to hear. I mean, it, it's not going to get any better than this. Is it dozens or dozen? Oh, yeah, it's dozens. Oh, good. Dozens, plural. Okay. Yeah, dozens, okay. plural. So so this might launch my second career in guest of podcast? Maybe. That's or maybe, maybe this will turn into a spinoff show. Like this conversation here will spawn a spinoff and you can create your own podcast and be wildly more successful than mine and i'll just continue to ride your coattails in podcasting as i've done in our real life (laughs) i sincerely doubt that that's gonna happen but i appreciate it but you know if if it came to fruition that's what that's what would happen and that's okay and i'm fine with that i'm fine with that look i mean let's get real the reason you know you had the back surgery really early in our in our relationship but if you think about it that doesn't make any sense because you've been carrying my ass for 20 years, but yet you had the surgery to correct the back issue at the beginning, not at the end. I knew the joke was coming. Like, I knew it was coming. I could see it in your eyes. Yeah, it was. I was working. I was workshopping uh-huh, and I was trying uh-huh. to figure out, you know, how do I how do I make this work? And but no, in, in all seriousness, I just there was no one else that I wanted to sit down and talk with. I appreciate you being willing to do it. And being willing to be open and be transparent, especially when it comes to you know, the, the weight loss and the journey that you've gone down that path on, because it's it's not easy. I, I you know, and you talked about the stigma. Well, that's that's just a quick fix and it's easy. It's the furthest thing from the truth. And hopefully, you have inspired someone to maybe not necessarily take that step, but you know, maybe you've inspired someone to want to make their physical health a priority and, you know, myself included. I mean, and we can talk about the fact that once you went on this path and this journey, again, you're the one who does the cooking. You're the one that makes the meals. So when, when mama's diet changed, everyone's diet changed, but it's where, I mean, I lost 30 plus pounds Mm -hmm. from the time that we've started this. So that was good. Everybody else becoming healthy as a byproduct of you putting your health at the forefront is is always a good thing. And I just, I love you so much. And you're my favorite person in the whole world. And I love you. I love you too. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous time sitting down with my wife, Veronica Anderson. You know, we've been married for almost 21 years. And I don't think we've ever sat down in front of microphones and documented any of our conversations until now. I hope you had as much fun listening to an old married couple gab as I did spending that time with my wife. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Chat'em Up. Make sure to smash the subscribe button on the podcast platform that you get all of your podcast audio from. Remember that new episodes drop every Monday. Subscribe, rate, review. It really helps us out here. When I say us, I mean me. This is a one-man operation I've got going on over here. I need all the help I can get. 
Again, make sure you're following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chatham Up Podcast, C-H-A-T-E-M-U-P Podcast. Remember, please wear a mask, wash your hands, be kind, Jesus love you. We'll chat again next week.